Chapter Seven of Uncle Silas by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven, Church Scarsdale. I think all the females of our household, except Mrs. Rusk, who was at open feud with her and had only room for the fiercer emotions, were more or less afraid of this inauspicious foreigner. Mrs. Rusk would say in her confidences in my room where does she come from is she a french or a swiss one or is she a canada woman i remember one of them when i was a girl and a nice limb she was too and who did she live with where was her last family not one of us knows anything about her no more than a child except of course the master i do suppose he made inquiry she's always a hugger-mugger with anne wixted i'll pat that one about her business if she doesn't mind cattling and whispering eternally it's not about her own business she's a-talking madame de la rouge pot as i call her she does know how to paint up to the ninety-nines she does the old cat i beg your pardon miss but that she is a devil and no mistake i found her out first by her thieving the master's gin that the doctor ordered him and filling the decanter up with water the old villain but she'll be found out yet she will and all the maids is afraid of her she's not right they think a witch or a ghost i should not wonder catherine jones found her in her bed asleep in the morning after she sulked with you you know miss with all her clothes on whatever was the meaning and i think she has frightened you miss and has you as nervous as anything i do and so forth it was true i was nervous and growing rather more so, and I think this cynical woman perceived and intended it, and was pleased. I was always afraid of her concealing herself in my room, and emerging at night to scare me. She began sometimes to mingle in my dreams, too, always awfully, and this nourished, of course, the kind of ambiguous fear in which, in waking hours, I held her i dreamed one night that she led me all the time whispering something so very fast that i could not understand her into the library holding a candle in her other hand above her head we walked on tiptoe like criminals at the dead of night and stopped before that old oak cabinet which my father had indicated in so odd a way to me i felt that we were about some contraband practice there was a key in the door which i experienced a guilty horror at turning she whispering in the same unintelligible way all the time at my ear i did turn it the door opened quite softly and within stood my father his face white and malignant and glaring close in mine he cried in a terrible voice death out went madame's candle and at the same moment with a scream i waked in the dark still fancying myself in the library and for an hour after i continued in a hysterical state every little incident about madame furnished a topic of eager discussion among the maids more or less covertly they nearly all hated and feared her they fancied that she was making good her footing with the master and that she would then oust mrs rusk perhaps usurp her place and so make a clean sweep of them all i fancy the honest little housekeeper did not discourage that suspicion about this time i recollect a pedlar 
an odd gypsified-looking man, called in at Knoll. I and Catherine Jones were in the court when he came, and set down his pack on the low balustrade by the door. All sorts of commodities he had, ribbons, cottons, silks, stockings, lace, and even some bad jewellery, and just as he began his display, an interesting matter in a quiet country house, Madame came upon the ground. He grinned in recognition, and, and hoped Mademoiselle was well, and did not look to see her here. Mademoiselle thanked him. Yes, very well and looked for the first time decidedly put out what a pretty things she said catherine run and tell mrs rusk she wants caesars and lace too i heard her say so catherine with a lingering look departed and madame said will you dear child be so kind to bring here my purse i forgot on the table in my room also i advise you bring your catherine returned with mrs rusk here was a man who could tell them something of the old frenchwoman at last slyly they dawdled over his wares until madame had made her market and departed with me but when the coveted opportunity came the peddler was quite impenetrable he forgot everything he did not believe as he ever saw the lady before he called a Frenchwoman all the world over, Mademoiselle. That were the name on em all. And he never seed her in particular, afore, as he could bring to mind. He liked to see em always, cause they makes the young uns buy. This reserve and oblivion were very provoking, and neither Mrs. Rusk nor Catherine Jones spent sixpence with him. He was a stupid fellow, or worse. Of course, Madame had tampered with him, but truth, like murder, will out some day. Tom Williams, the groom, had seen her when alone with him, and pretending to look at his stock, with her face almost buried in his silks and Welsh linseys, talking as fast as she could all the time, and slipping money, he did suppose, under a piece of stuff in his box. In the meantime, I and Madame were walking over the wide, peaty sheep-walks that lie between Knoll and Church Scarsdale. Since our visit to the mausoleum in the wood, she had not worried me so much as before. She had been, indeed, more than usually thoughtful, very little talkative, and troubled me hardly at all about French and other accomplishments. A walk was a part of our daily routine. I now carried a tiny basket in my hand, with a few sandwiches, which were to furnish our luncheon when we reached the pretty scene, about two miles away, whither we were tending. We had started a little too late. Madame grew unwontedly fatigued, and sat down to rest on a stile before we had got half-way, and there she intoned, with a dismal nasal cadence, a quaint old Bretagne ballad about a lady with a pig's head. This lady was neither pig nor maid, and so she was not of human mould not of the living nor the dead her left hand and foot were warm to touch her right as cold as a corpse's flesh and she would sing like a funeral bell with a ding-dong tune the pigs were afraid and viewed her aloof the women feared her and stood afar 
she could do without sleep for a year and a day she could sleep like a corpse for a month and more no one knew how this lady fed on acorns or on flesh some say that she's one of the swine possessed that swam over the sea of genesaret a mongrel body and demon soul some say she's the wife of the wandering jew and broke the law for the sake of pork and a swinish face for a token doth bear that her shame is now and her punishment coming and so it went on in a jingling rigmarole the more anxious i seemed to go on our way the more likely she was to loiter i therefore showed no signs of impatience and i saw her consult her watch in the course of her ugly minstrelsy and slyly glance as if expecting something in the direction of our destination when she had sung to her heart's content up rose madame and began to walk onward silently i saw her glance once or twice as before toward the village of trillsworth which lay in front a little to our left and the smoke of which hung in a film over the brow of the hill i think she observed me for she inquired what is that smoke there that is trillsworth madame there is a railway station there oh le chemin de fer so near i did not think where it goes i told her and silence returned church scarsdale is a very pretty and odd scene the slightly undulating sheep walk dips suddenly into a wide glen in the lap of which by a bright winding rill rise from the sward the ruins of a small abbey with a few solemn trees scattered round the crow's nests hung untenanted in the trees the birds were foraging far away from their roosts the very cattle had forsaken the place it was solitude itself madame drew a long breath and smiled come down come down child come down to the churchyard as we descended the slope which shut out the surrounding world and the scene grew more sad and lonely madame's spirits seemed to rise see how many gravestones one two hundred don't you love the dead child i will teach you to love them you shall see me die here to-day for half an hour and be among them that is what i love we were by this time at the little brook's side and the low churchyard wall with a stile reached by a couple of stepping-stones across the stream immediately at the other side come now cried madame raising her face as if to sniff the air we are close to them you will like them soon as i you shall see five of them ah saira 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 come cross quickly i am madame la morgue mrs deadhouse i will present you my friends monsieur cadavre monsieur squelet come come little mortal let us play Wah! and she uttered a horrid yell from her enormous mouth and pushing her wig and bonnet back so as to show her great bald head she was laughing and really looked quite mad no madame i will not go with you i said disengaging my hand with a violent effort receding two or three steps not enter the churchyard ma foi what mauvais goût 
but see we are already in shade the sun he is setting soon where will you remain child i will not stay long i'll stay here i said a little angrily for i was angry as well as nervous and through my fear was that indignation at her extravagances which mimicked lunacy so unpleasantly and were i knew designed to frighten me over the stepping-stones pulling up her dress she skipped with her long lank legs like a witch joining a walpurgis over the stile she strode and i saw her head wagging and heard her sing some of her ill-omened rhymes as she capered solemnly with many a grin and curtsey among the graves and headstones towards the ruin End of chapter 7